Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here live at five-ish to uh, chat about the hard stuff, talk about discipline, but in a fun way, right? Yeah, to talk about the ways that our power is privilege in the parent-child dynamic and what to do about it, especially as cis, white, straight, able-bodied women, this responsibility we have to be breaking these cycles of oppression within the home to be breaking those things outside the home. Um, We talk about the big feelings, the tricky behaviors, spirited kids, uh, and the challenges associated with supporting them, helping them, teaching them, doing all the things. What do we do? What do we say? How do we endure their harsh words, the the hard things? I feel like we got a DM about, what did they call it? Verbal barf? Verbal verbal vomit, I think, or something like that. Um, We're also here to just support and Mm -hmm. to acknowledge and to listen I think it's really hard when we're all going through so much every day. And the last thing we want to talk about at the end of the day with a partner or a listening uh, friend is like how hard our day was. And that's why we want to make these these evening things lighthearted and fun Mm -hmm. and connected where we feel like we're all in this together. Right. Yeah. Everyone's doing their best. Everyone's trying their best. We're all growing up together and we're growing up alongside our kids. That's the idea. Um, We want to also say we're not doctors we're not medical professionals uh go to therapy we highly recommend that um if your kid is is struggling in a really big way and it's really uh scary to you check in about that with somebody um Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, we're here for the daily discipline stuff, how to yeah. up your game in that department. Also, these conversations are more often than not what we would consider explicit. Most people would consider explicit. We got a lovely review on our podcast about our, what they call it, like swearing ladies? Sailor talk. Sailor talk. <laughs> we were like, Welcome to upbringing. Yeah, totally. Okay, so read this DM. What do we okay. got? Feel free to type in what you're experiencing right now, oh, what shit. you're struggling with, um, and we would love to explore it. Um, so give us a little pin and we'll figure out how to get in there. Uh, but this is from Allie who says, Hi, I love you girls so much and have about a thousand questions for you. But as a start, <clears throat> I thought I could mention what's showing up for me right now. My three and a half year old son is really into labeling bad, quote unquote, and nice, quote unquote. So last night I walked in from work <clears throat> and it was bad mommy, bad mommy, bad mommy. Aww. And he was almost smiling and teasing with it. Hey. Uh, we don't use binary language like be a good boy or you're being bad, et cetera, et cetera. I, love that. I take all my cues from you and the respectful connected parenting models. What are some ways I can connect with him during this language vomit he has? I tumble over my words. Thank you. What a great question to, to kick off this live, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh, you come in from work, you're like, I'm home, give me a hug. <laughs> and you get that, right? That's yeah. really, really tricky, right? I get that a lot uh, when I am operating a little bit outside the assumptions or expectations of my kids. I don't know if that's part an element of it. Like they were expecting you home at this time or they weren't. Um, I also have experienced this so often going to pick my kid up at their Montessori preschool before COVID. Yeah. And my daughter would literally make a beeline straight for me and just like punch me in the gut. Just like, boom, welcome back, Happy Mom. to see you, too. I love too. you. I miss you. And I think that we're saying that because mm -hmm. that is what is going on in my head after a lot of rewriting and saying <clears throat> they missed me. They don't know how to express that. Mm -hmm. They're feeling some stress in this transition. I got a lot of other things going on, including brain development, impulse control, um, a lot of stressors happening in, through their development. Yeah. yeah. Lack of self-awareness and communication <clears throat> skills, I would say. Mm -hmm. I would say the, one of the main things that Kelty and I touch on so much here at Upbringing is the fact that our society tells us to look at the behaviors, look at the words that our kids give us. In this case, mm -hmm. a three-year-old who welcomes their mom with bad mommy, don't mm -hmm. like mommy, right, when she comes home. And we have to focus on that. That's what we're taught, right? But everything in research and what we're we're learning so much and what has transformed our relationship with our kids in so many ways um, and with our partners as well is looking beneath those words, looking beneath those behaviors and getting to the root cause of their suffering, which is saying, I missed mommy. I want more mommy. Mm -hmm. Wow. I saw you and it just cued to me how much I missed you today and the struggle I maybe went through. Mm -hmm. Or why were you there for that? What's right. What or happened? maybe I'm three and a half and I see you when I say bad mommy because I'm just feeling uncomfortable and hungry, right? Mm -hmm. Let alone maybe didn't miss you and did okay during the day. Mm -hmm. But you can do okay during the day and still miss mom, right? Yeah, how many of us hold yeah. it in all day and then let loose on our partners? Right, and so I think that's the <clears> first thing is we have to remember to look beneath the behaviors for the underlying needs. And then we got to translate that so that our kids learn to do that too. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they missed us. They don't know how to express that or that they're even aware of it. They just know they're feeling uncomfortable and they're using three and a half year old speak, bad mommy, bad mommy, bad mommy, right? Mm -hmm. So we translate and we model the words that we want them to adopt. But we oh, start with empathy. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Right? The things that make us cringe and want to be like, or 
choose different words or mm-hmm. I'm not listening to this or in our family we don't say Can you try it again whatever it is yeah. yeah whatever it is whenever we feel that impulse that's when we try try in our good moments to lean in and say how are you doing and it goes so backward <clears throat> to empathize with somebody who is verbally abusing us and we say how you doing and this is what I need from Hannah earlier today oh yeah. I was struggling and when I say yeah. struggling I mean I was being so mean to her and she, she was like, Can and that it's actually a cue to me because she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, not maybe not that good. And then I think, why am I not doing that good? What's going on with me? I'm feeling a little stressed trying to get out the door, come back for our live, kids coming in, husband grumpy about this, bags of trash and crap everywhere. That's why I'm not doing so well. Right. But and I helped just, create that but it, space. You created that space to develop a little bit of awareness. like So I think that so much of this, when our kids are saying bad mommy or mean words or verbal, what do you call it, verbal vomit, is to go against all of our instincts in creating a safe place. It's not a permissive place, a safe place to be themselves and to authentically voice <clears throat> what they need. Mm-hmm. It's, right. so, it's so counterintuitive though. A lot of people would say, what? That is so permissive. You're right. teaching them that they can verbally abuse other human mm-hmm. beings. What? Right. But the the that's that that voice in the little in our heads or the little, you know, white old little. man on our shoulder, um, telling us what to think. But I think also that we have to keep remembering that that we have power to change up our beliefs in this way, and that we can go at this a different way with our kids. Right. We can respond in a different way that that leans in. We talk about that in our big feelings guide, which you can download on our website at mm-hmm. upbringing.co. And we go into 10 steps on how to lean into like the most gnarly things, mm-hmm. um, like your kids saying bad mommy when they didn't learn. You don't say the word bad at home, but that's their lexicon. That's their way of saying, I'm struggling and I need help. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing that we would want to mention, there's so many ways to touch on this, but I think the last one is remembering that our kids probably don't say bad teacher or bad neighbor or those mm-hmm. things, they say bad mommy because they know that we're a safe, secure place to express their discomfort and to get help with that, right? But that's challenging because I think that <clears> often <throat> we're like, you can do that to other people, not me. If I'm your mom, <laughs> I'm number one for you. I, I do, do so, so many much. things. I like thought you loved verbally me. abuse anyone but this. Right, but it's Come the on. opposite, right? Our kids abuse us because what we call chosen and lucky. We're chosen and lucky that we get to to experience and support their real deep inner growth, the raw, uncouth, obnoxious, mm-hmm. deeper self. Hashtag unfiltered. Right. <laughs> and, and that is that self that is saying, instead of prioritizing the way I'm saying the words, what words, what behaviors, get to the root cause of my suffering so that I can learn how to work on that. Yeah. Right. So that I don't grow up just knowing what I'm feeling is bad. Right. We don't want our kids to grow up thinking that when they have a feeling of natural feeling of sadness, disappointment, frustration, resentment, anger, one of those tougher feelings that we're all going to have forever, Mm -hmm. that they feel bad, that they shouldn't say anything because they've been trained and conditioned by parents earlier that their words are wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So we got to let the words go and and work on them later, model the shit out of better language and know that their words are going to change over time if we can just work on honoring that yeah. inner wisdom and authority, when prioritizing kids, that. When our kids are saying those hard words, bad mommy, mean mommy, or saying it to a sibling, it's so hard to hear and so hard to say. And I think that you and I like to channel yeah. our feminist selves too. How yeah. often have we been like, had this feeling of indignation at, at the idea of us expressing ourselves and someone focusing on the way you said it, 
just your anger at this isn't what I like. And you're like, what about my message? What about the feelings and the beliefs and the values that I'm trying to communicate? Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like how it looks. Mm-hmm. And and we want to keep that, that impulse, that spark alive in our kids to say <clears throat> what they believe and what they value regardless mm-hmm. of how it comes off to somebody. Yeah. But that goes against everything we've been conditioned to believe, which is socialization and sounding and looking pretty and nice and and amenable and conforming and and all those things are the number one thing. They're not. And guess what? We're women in our mid thirties who are raging on, uh, on the reg, right? Because we didn't have our anger understood and, and valued as children, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. We don't feel comfortable in of becoming aware of our needs and expressing them adaptively because they weren't met when we were kids. So we just get pent up and angry and then we explode. So let's mm-hmm. not perpetuate that paradigm, right? With our kids, let's start from scratch and work with root cause parenting, parenting from the inside out. It's a trust fall, but we believe in it. We've seen it happen, right? Our kids are now able to say when we come home, how's it going, you know? And they say, I just wish I'd seen more of you today. They'll say things like that now where you're like, oh my God, it's, it's happening. They're doing it, right? So just keep follow, following through with the modeling and the empathy, right? And yeah. that trust. You've got this. How are you this. doing? You're struggling. Yeah. Did you miss me a little? I missed you too. Oh. How can I connect with you right now? What would feel good for you? Do you want to go jump on the couch with me? Yeah. Do you want to help me make dinner? Do you want to go in, read a story? In our hearts, we're like, hold me bad, mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. But we know that that's not true. Mm -hmm. And if we say, how dare you call me bad mommy or don't call me bad mommy, not this mom was doing that. Mm -mm. That's reinforcing the the fact that they believe it and saying, I worry that you believe that. And they're like, oh, do you believe that? Mm -hmm. So we're we're not ignoring the the behavior, the harsh words, whatever it is. We're engaging with it lovingly, with curiosity, with connection. Mm -hmm. So that our kids can grow up and engage with their tough feelings with curiosity and awareness and connection. Instead of shame or blame. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Shame and blame stop the awareness. They stop the conversation. The they stop the growth. Yeah. So we want to, we want to be nurturing that growth. Someone says I'm doing bedtime, but I love y'all. Love you too. Have a good bedtime. Good luck. Hang in Our there. Our thoughts are with you. Uh, Molly says, how can I show up for the kids when I'm really not at my best? Lots of big feelings for all of us with everything going on. Plus we've welcomed a new baby and it's the one year anniversary. Yeah. Um, of my dad's death and we're all feeling all of it feeling like a failure big time oh babe hang in there there's there's no fail in this and but i understand that feeling Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. i think that you have so much awareness where you're like wow i mean that's the first step that you're building Mm -hmm. you're like wow one year anniversary what's going on politically Mm -hmm. what's going on in my house with a new baby all these needs Mm -hmm. that that are all struggling to be met that feels like a lot that's a lot. And you're aware of that, which I think is really, really good. You're not projecting it onto anybody. Mm-hmm. You're recognizing that you're struggling, that everyone's struggling and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I think that after that awareness of everyone's struggling, we need to give ourselves grace in that moment that mm-hmm. we're not the ringleader. We feel like it's so many <coughs> moments of the day we're wearing a lot of the hats. We're doing a lot of the things. We're keeping everyone safe and calm and fed and diapered and all the things. But, but there are some things that we can't control. And I think that that's something that we learned from our mom, at least, is focusing on the things you can control and focus and then listing the things you can't and trying to let them go and make peace with those things. Yeah. Making a list. I think I, I get really clear making lists and saying, mm-hmm. okay, what are all the shittiest things going on right now at what's home? The worst? How, how can I figure out what's going on? And they say, which ones am I in charge of? What can I actually be doing right now? 
-hmm. And then which ones of these are actually, they're just kids who are experiencing life. It's just me that's experiencing life. We're all moving through it maybe a little bit with less harmony, right? And less peace. But conflict, we have to keep remembering, is not inherently bad. The kids having a little more conflict with each other because you're with the new baby, it's okay. They're going to learn through that, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing a little bit less of you and being with your partner more maybe, they're struggling to adapt. Mm -hmm. They're going to adapt and it's going to be okay. I think so much of this time, at least for us, and we only had two kids each, not four kids, but with that second kid, or at least my second kid was the fourth of all of ours. And I remember needing to lean on that feeling of trust and of assuming the role of I'm a believer. This is going to be okay. And I'm going to be passenger and I'm going to be projecting that, Mm -hmm. that sense of calm confidence as I'm practicing it, Mm -hmm. I'm practicing it and I'm projecting it and it's going to influence everyone if they're able to, to kind of soak it in. And and that's the place that I need to be, to be uh, moving forward, Mm -hmm. to be doing the things I need to do and letting go of the other things if I'm able. Mm -hmm. Right. I think when, when we're struggling with a new baby and, mm-hmm. and juggling more and trying to meet everybody's needs, I think we have to keep remembering that our new goal isn't to get back to where we were before as far as productivity went, as far as meeting all the kids' needs went. That is not the goal, is to get back to the way it was before, oh, with another baby. Mm-hmm. This is the new normal. Mm-hmm. And you, you guys are going to figure out a new way of going about it. It's never mm-hmm. going to be the way it was, and that's okay. And that's actually good Mm -hmm. because it helps us renegotiate all of our expectations about how we want to show up and whose needs matter when. Mm -hmm. And it's all one big experimentation. So I would say get your, get your, your, your observations down on paper about Mm -hmm. what are those moments where you're really struggling and why Mm -hmm. get clear on those. And then what are little things that can be done? And I would lean heavily on the circle back right now. I would, I would say, yeah, yeah, I think handling things outside the moment because you're not able, you're nursing a baby, you're, you're slow to get in there on a sibling conflict issue. Like that's all natural. So talking about the circle back is, I'm sorry I wasn't there when you guys were, were struggling mm-hmm. together. Or I'm so sorry that you wanted, you needed me and I couldn't be with you because I was with the baby. And calling out that time saying, right now it's hard. Mm-hmm. Calling out the elephant in the room. We have a new baby here. Yeah, it's exciting, but really hard too, right? Tell me, tell me how it's hard for you. Those are the ways that we can show up and we heal that way. Right. And when we're worried about showing up because we can't in the moment or in the ways that we've been conditioned to think this is showing up as a parent, we can show up in these other amazing ways Mm -hmm. through a circle back conversation, even just one a day, even one moment, even if they don't even respond to us because they're just, they're thinking they're doing their thing. They're in the tub, they're in the car. And we can just have this like kind of verbal musing. Someone says you know? beautiful point. Um, yes. Hopefully that we helps a little back. bit. When we're Molly. struggling the most, we circle back. Yeah. And in the moment, we downshift to neutral. Mm-hmm. We do our nodding. We try to keep people physically <clears throat> safe. Take deep breaths. We just say what they were saying. You didn't want them to do that. Right. Okay. We just go into like make a mental note. Keep that away mode. from them next time. Yeah. Right. Write it down. It's okay to to be a little bit in survival mode right now. You're in a rebuilding mode. You're in a rebuilding phase where you're building your family with Mm -hmm. a new baby. That is so hard. And you should not have a family rebuilt right now. You're building it as you go day Mm -hmm. by day. We talk about scaffolding our kids' skills in that way. They're not going to tie their shoes or clean up their toys or um, help their sibling or share or do any of these things in one moment. All of these skills are built with slow scaffolding help from us and our partners Mm -hmm. and from each other. 
And we need that scaffolding too as a family unit, as like our little family castle. Yeah. It's brick by brick. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Slowly growing, right? Right. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah. What else have we got here? Carly, I can't always intervene with my girls hitting. What's the best way to come into a wrestle match where they're both getting hurt and both throwing punches? Mm, I wonder what age is, but mm-hmm. probably somewhere in the yeah, middle Yeah, Carly, there. you could let us know what ages they are just so we can kind of... Someone else says, oh. yes, Carly, I struggle with that by, with my boys, mostly my little boy, but once it starts, it escalates quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll check and see if there's anything <clears throat> else about that. We were talking about sibling <clears throat> struggles today uh, in our stories. You can go check that out a little bit. How we, we were even... We have a sale going on on the oh, side. Right. 20% off with code SIBS through the week. It's three days. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's so triggering to have our kids, to witness our kids treating one another in that way. I don't know what's worse, the physical abuse or the verbal abuse. We all have our own triggers. And depending on their ages and stages, it's really difficult um, and I think that's such a great point you all bring up where like, you know, okay, I can't always get there and I'm seeing that they're hurting each other. Mm-hmm. But the question Kelsey and I always ask ourselves when our kids are struggling and three and a half or three and five, I guess mm-hmm. they are, <clears throat> um, same age boys. Oh, okay. Mom. Um, is that, is that this is, you know, not ideal that they're hurting each other, but is it an emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Are they using knives while they're fighting? Are they fighting next to like a, a precipice where they're gonna follow you through? Um, where are they fighting that makes us feel so triggered, right? So we have to get clear, wait a second, what's our role here? If this isn't an emergency <clears throat> where we literally have to yank them apart from one another and create, add more stress to the situation, mm-hmm. right? What, what is our ultimate role when we see our kids struggling physically with one another? I was like, where's our guide? It's right here, you yeah. put it in the closet. I'll see if I can find it. It's okay. Yeah, we our sibling conflict guide it's a digital guide but we printed it out looks pretty good printed yeah but it just helps us remember what is our role what is our goal what are these beliefs that are limiting us mm-hmm. what are all the things that we can say because we have got two pages of example phrasing right because obviously ideally it would be we would get there before our kids are mm-hmm. ages three and five are hitting each other and we would mediate we'd say hey okay so i'm noticing you struggle struggling with the Lego situation. Wow, what's going on, everyone? How's How are you everyone doing? doing? Can I help at all? Okay, so you're wanting the blue ones. Okay, and you're building something and need a blue one for the top. Is that right? Okay, tell me, is that right? Is that what it sounds like? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Hey, I'm, I'm going to stop your hand here. Oh, you're, want, you're, you're feeling a little overwhelmed. Let's create a little bit of space. Keep a little space. How's it going? Okay, let's maybe take a deep breath here before we work to figure this out. Okay, okay. we're going to figure this out, everyone. It's going to be okay. All right, so... And then we get in there. But if they're already in it when we walk in, that's when we go into like very calm, cool EMT mode, right? Mm -hmm. We're in there. I'm going to help you away. Okay, everyone, what's going on? When we want to yell, what? Why? Stop. Mm -hmm. We slide in there quick and say, okay, or wow. Those are the things that I try to say to help me not scream. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm here to help. We're giving a tone of conflict is normal. Kids wigging out and hurting each other. 
absolutely not a big deal. That's how they learn, yeah. right? Right. So we're normalizing <clears throat> conflict. We're normalizing their impulse, mm -hmm. their feelings, their inner wisdom and authority that says that was mine or she was a witch or this mm -hmm. can't happen this way. Right. 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 They don't yet have the skills to communicate that adaptively to get mm -hmm. their needs met around Legos or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So again, we want to focus on building those skills. That's what our role is as mediator in those moments. But let's say that uh, they ended up hitting each other. We pull them apart and we say, how are you? How are you? Oh, something was going on. I'm sorry. I missed it. I'm here now. Catch me up. Catch What's me happening? up. Fill me in. Or if we need to, maybe they're still wanting to go for each other. I'm going to help maybe the smallest, lightest one over here, right? <laughs> over here. And we're going to calm down and we will come back to, to this in a second. Okay. I'm going to take some deep breaths. Okay. I think oftentimes I find that I respond really negatively to my kids fighting because I'm feeling frustrated that I let it go that long. Maybe I was in the kitchen doing stuff and I heard some squawks. <laughs> I heard some things going on, right? Or where I'm so surprised, honestly, because they were doing great five minutes ago, right? We have to keep remembering that as our kids are building their sibling relationship, they also have three and five-year-old brains. Mm -hmm. So their impulse control is very, very minimal. Mm -hmm. So they could be doing great. One and second, then, flips. And then really, really struggle the next. Yes. So we have we can't expect them to treat one another gently in those early years. I know. So let's get clear on to that. be like, yeah, play nice, be gentle. Everyone's like, of course, yes, of course. And then they're fighting and you're like, you... You failed my expectations. What was, what about the, the plan, plan, dude? Hello? <laughs> someone says, yes, I have a sibling guide. I need to read it. Yes, let us know what you think. Someone else says, interesting, all fighting makes me so anxious. Yeah. Absolutely. Even when it's such a small bicker. Sure. I promise to read it this weekend, someone Great. says. Um, you, you mamas always bring me to tears in a good way, someone says. Oh. You're so reassuring and soothing. Oh, great. Thanks Good to that. hear. Yes, going to, um, from great to bad in a second. Yeah, so yeah. fast, right? I think so much about this with you than you were mentioning is about the beliefs about conflict. And so that's what we go into in the guide at the beginning is three beliefs mm -hmm. about conflict that really hold us back from showing up in mm -hmm. a really helpful way with our kids when they struggle, right? And that has us looking at conflict in general, has us looking at our own experiences with conflict when we were kids. Mm -hmm. How did our parents treat us when we had a fight or when we got physical with someone, right? Yeah. Were they creating a safe environment where we could understand what our needs were and normalize and it? And empathize with the other person's right? perspective. And process, or were they immediately heightened, anxious, mad, and people were punished, right? Was there a victim and aggressor situation going on? So we really go into the victim and aggressor dynamic as well in the guide, which uh, talks about how problematic that can be. And so that's why our approach and our tone and mm -hmm. our vibe um, can hopefully be as chill as possible. That's yeah. the practice we get to do. But that's the practice yeah, is self-regulation right. with yeah. anything. This could be a sibling conflict. This could be um, a, a one kid who's having a tantrum or mm -hmm. resisting something or totally wigging out about whatever it is. Yeah. Our approach matters. The way we yeah. show up matters. We're not always able. We're not always there. The more awareness <clears throat> we can be building to back those steps up and say, where was it that I struggled to support? Right. Okay. Can I take it a few steps back from there mm -hmm. before I walk into the room to center myself for a minute? Okay, before that, can I think about the fact that conflict will probably happen? So when I hear a squawk, I'm going to come in in this way. Mm -hmm. And we're backing up the steps for how we're going to approach this. More and, and more awareness. ourselves with those beliefs. It's going to be okay. This is not an emergency. My role is to be sensitive support staff. No one's wrong or right. Everything they're doing is okay. 
all of these beliefs that are going to help us go in there with this neutral, mm-hmm. calm, confident uh, persona. Sometimes it has to be a persona. <clears throat> I feel like sometimes I'm stepping into waders, mm-hmm. this force field kind of feeling thing to arm myself, yeah. to support them the best I can. And it's not just supporting them ultimately. It is supporting me. Mm-hmm. The more I'm working on my own self-regulation techniques, the more I'm working on my own mindset and reframing and putting my little bubble force field around me, I save myself and mm-hmm. I save them. And it's constantly uh, reaffirming well, each one. And by assuming a role, we're able to move from inner child into stand-up adult who's mm-hmm. showing up and growing up, right? Yeah. So it helps bring us into the present moment mm-hmm. and not kind of go into our child brain saying, oh my God, I, for- I remember how shitty this, this was. Stop. Yes. Um, I think the last thing we can say about sibling stuff is that I think oftentimes we feel like our work is to prevent the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, you were like, what happens when it's already happened? It's already happened already. That's just the beginning, we think, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when it comes to sibling conflict, that's mm-hmm. where all the opportunity and potential lies is when somebody gets hit. We want you to go into a, a moment where you see your kids hitting each other and think, oh my God, yes, this is an amazing yes. opportunity. We have a chance here to be doing there, some work. There's no blood, there's no concussions. This is just enough of a situation to mm-hmm. help them learn with my support, yeah. right? No one got really hurt, just a little bit hurt. So we can process this in a really great way, yeah. right? And, and you said this is a chance for them to learn and not learn to not hit, to not say mean words, no. to not fight, to not not share. That'll happen later. That'll happen later. But to say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What were you needing? Okay. How could you tell him that? So he'll understand what you need. How can you figure out a way to communicate? Mm -hmm. So she'll hear you. Mm -hmm. How can you take a break? Would you want a break if that's Mm -hmm. happening? We don't have to fix anything. We just have to be there neutrally asking questions, opening up Mm -hmm. for discussion, saying, I want to figure this out alongside you so that you're actually building the skills and I don't have to be the shitty mediator no. being like, mom, she did this, mom, he did that. Right. We don't, we don't want we're to be that We're not the person. judge. We're just the mirror. We're yeah. helping them reflect closer to themselves and really understand themselves and one another. Cause that's ultimately how conflicts are solved. Yeah. Right. But what a load off. Yeah. Like that's been an, a huge load off our minds yeah. to think we don't have to decide who is right and wrong. <clears throat> we don't have to issue a punishment ever, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. for something our kids do by themselves or with another sibling. Yeah. It was really interesting. The other day in the van, uh, our youngest of the four of ours fell asleep in the car. And sometimes he'll fall asleep um, and he'll wake up and be raging on the other kids. He'll get out of his car seat and feel really physical. There's a lot going on sometimes. And it was so interesting hearing the conversation our other three kids had when he fell asleep. And they said something like, you can remind me, they were like, oh, okay, he's asleep, so he might be struggling when he wakes up. And I was like, you mean hulking like a rage (laughs) monster? (laughs) But they'd heard that, right? He might be struggling when he wakes up. And they were all like, okay. And they were figuring out like, hey, how can we support that? Like, let's prepare ourselves. They were creating awareness around a potential situation with one of their siblings. And then he woke up and he was actually doing really great and got out and one of them said, Hey, he, he was feeling really good when he woke up this yeah. time and they like post-processed it. Yeah, like, it was cool. It was really cool. Someone said, amazing. Thanks. Yes. I will try to bring my EMT voice. Deep breath. Yes. Absolutely. You got this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Someone said, can you fix the approach when the kids are already four and seven? Of course. Absolutely. It's At never any ages. too late. We're still working on our relationship. 
we play more mind games than like physically harm each other. But, <laughs> but we always have. We've never been physical. That's true. It's we like have our been. MO. Yeah, but we have to keep remembering that kids will hurt them uh, one another based on the development that they have and the skills that they have. So if there are three, they're probably throwing things and kicking things more because that's developmentally what their bodies are needing to do. And that's the way they express themselves based on their communication skills so far. So all of it makes sense. It's all okay. We're not raising kids that are going to go on the Jerry Springer show. If we focus on their needs and focus on building the awareness and normalizing conflict, they're going to want to stay in conflict and get curious. It's the opposite of what we've been conditioned. We need yeah. to, like our instinct says, crack down on that shit. Don't normalize it. Stop it early. It. Don't Nip wanna, it in the bud. You don't want to know what they need. You don't want to ask them how they're feeling. That is like pansy crap. And all the research says it is how to build a self-aware, respectful, communicative person. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy, though. It's, yeah. It sounds so backward. It really um, does. Someone says, wondering if you have any advice for helping twin boys age nine. We know some of those. Mm -hmm. They seem like they're almost constantly at each other. Mm -hmm. So give us a couple examples of that. We're going to back up a little bit here. Yeah. Um, let's go back to Sophie's question. Okay. Um, this was a nice one, too. Um, okay. Oh gosh. We're going to catch up on these, everybody, and we'll screenshot them if we miss them. Um, or you could DM us uh, your question, too. Okay, let's do this one quick. Okay. Kids are in the tub. Someone says, three and a half year old is so clingy soon. and needy at the mo. Feels like all the wants nothing quality time give her is never enough, and she gets into mischief, my stuff, if unsupervised. Mm -hmm. I have an eight month old, too, and only way I can breastfeed or put him. Uh, I don't see the rest, but that's a really hard mm -hmm. thing having having a three and a half year old who's clingy, and then if she's not or he is not clingy, then they're getting into stuff. Mm -hmm. That is so hard having an eight month old baby at the same time. Yeah, I mean, three and a half year old getting into stuff. I would say prepare the environment as best you can so they're not getting into stuff too much. Put a lock on the bathroom door so mm -hmm. they don't get into the their, toilet. Their misbehavior is a red flag of where you need to shore up. Yeah, so it's just information. What they get into is where mm -hmm. you're needing to create more safety and security, right? They need a safe place with maybe a gate. They need an area where you've, you've gotten rid of the plants if that's what they're gonna go for, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then remembering too, beyond preparing the environment, just fill that cup. And I know, Sophie, you're probably she, on she top of this. She said the wants nothing quality oh, okay. time is Oh, great, there. okay, sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing it and she's wanting more, just keep welcoming those feelings mm -hmm. and that's gonna be okay. And then something we mentioned in our last live that Kelty said is remember that an eight month old can be incredibly uh, uh, independent. The, the more you give this eight month old the space to lie on their back and flip over and do the things and be in a yes space that's, you know, a, a three and a half year old might crawl out of a yes space or a room that's gated mm -hmm. where they're supposed to do their independent Focus work. Focus on the three and a half but year the old, eight -month -old and let the oh, eight month old can do be there and be building those independent play skills with the eight month old so that you can focus on that three and a half year old. I think so often we think, well, the three and a half year old can be on their own more because they're older, mm -hmm. but they, they actually struggle more with these new babies, it's, right? It's been something that a lot of people have been coming to us and saying like, I'm so struggling having like an uh, under a year old baby that I need to see to and a three, four, five year old who's needing me and mm -hmm. is struggling and a lot of this stuff. And I think that is consistently our recommendation is <clears throat> focus on the child. The baby will or, be fine. Right. Or focus on the neediest one. And yeah. in this case, it's sounding like your three and a half year old is needier than your eight month old, unless yeah. it's a, a nursing situation. Yeah, but I would still you know. be trying to promote that independence with yeah. a baby more than pushing independence on a child. Right. Right. But there's still a lot you can do to, to help find her, help her find work. And I think that's help something her you can talk about with her. Things. Things. You could say, yeah. <clears throat> I've noticed 
when I'm nursing the baby, sometimes you're getting into some stuff. What's going on? Right. Do you need something to do? Hey, can are I you, set you up with something interesting yeah, are you, and fun? You're into my makeup, so can we work on painting instead? Mm. Or finding those alternatives and just putting it out there to them, see what comes out. You know, so, right. yeah. it's But it's, you know, one of those scaffolding things, and it's a it's growing pains, and you're doing an amazing job. It's a tricky time having yeah. a new new baby. Someone says, any suggestions for addressing, quote-unquote, gross behaviors? I want to respect my kid's body autonomy, but I'm concerned about germs, hygiene, etc. Fingers and nose belching in sister's face. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, <clears throat> oh so gosh, fingers we, and we nose, struggle. Let their body, their choice. They can put their fingers wherever they want in their own body. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. If you really struggle with it, like for example, if a, um, a little boy were playing with his penis, you could say, hey, is that something we usually do in our bed or in the bathroom? So do you want to go and do that there and create a positive association? We're not shaming the impulse. Hey, do you want to go do that there? I want you to feel like you have a safe place, right? And the same thing if you really feel strongly about nose stuff. But I, I don't really know. Personally, it's like that's nose stuff. And then maybe you have germs. So you could talk to them about, well, now you put germs in your nose. Do you feel good about that? We're or building contact. now you have boogers on your fingers. Do you want a tissue? Right. But I think the chiller we are about all of this bodily stuff, which is so triggering to us, right? Mm -hmm. The better it's going to be. So belching in sister's face. Our kids do a lot of the like spit, uh, spit stuff so sometimes. Hard. And it's very triggering for us. <clears throat> yeah. We try and be as chill as possible and it extinguishes the behavior. And all we do is maybe we reflect and perspective take. Hey, were you liking the way he did that? Or maybe we'd say, hey, mm -hmm. she's turning her head away. It's looking like she's not loving that. Chances yeah. are they know the other child isn't loving it. They know it's but, not fun and they can't control themselves. Or sometimes it's not that they know that they're bugging someone and it's really like finger and nose or yeah. a family that we know was talking about a kid just really like eating while they're reading and then just yeah. really getting in there on his bottom a little bit and then going back to right. eating and like, what do we do? This is a little hard. Mm -hmm. And um, finding where yeah. that boundary is that asks us to, in the respect step of our resist approach, be like, where's my expectation? Is that a reasonable expectation? Does this have to happen? Okay, how can I communicate that effectively? And then we go into empathize. Looks like you're really wanting to kind of get in there on your bottom. Is it itchy or really your nose really going? Okay, you're, you're needing that. Okay. Or tell me more mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And if we feel like we need to say, my, my, my worry up. is, my mm -hmm. concern is in the sync up step that you've got some germs there and then you're eating and then you're putting it in your mouth. What do you think? Or what do you think? And we're putting it out there neutrally. And then we can innovate and be like, Maybe we could eat at a different time than from when we want to itch our bottoms and read. Or mm -hmm. maybe you could pick your nose and I'll have this little hand wipe there for you. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. And then if we really feel we have to summarize and setting a limit and saying, we've got to wipe your hands now because I'm feeling very strongly about this germ situation. I love you. Right. I told you all the things. I ran through this, these steps respectfully. Got to right. do it. And then we trust that because we're doing this this routine, this making this a conversation about their bodies and talking about their consent to us having an opinion about their bodies. Yeah. This is going to be sinking in in a really good way. Anything with our kids' bodies, we have to be, remember to be so careful, right? Because if we put in, down a lot of heat, a lot of control, a lot of pressure, kids immediately resist that because that's the healthy thing to do. Mm -hmm. If someone's oppressing your body or trying to control it, you want to defend yourself, right? Resist. Right? Resist. That's a good thing, right? So that's why we move into all of these scenarios, especially around our kids' own bodies with a lot of care and sensitivity so that they can feel empowered 
and a sense of agency to take our advice, to trust what we're saying, because they don't feel like we're overpowering them and have an agenda that they have to protect as far as the, like, their liberties and freedoms go, mm -hmm. right? It, it seems like it should be something that we want to impress upon them more strongly, yeah. right? If it matters to us, we actually want to be even more careful and, because ultimately they have the say about their body. And it comes back to the socialization versus self-awareness. Yeah. It keeps coming back <clears throat> to this. It's mm -hmm. a quote unquote gross behavior, which is what this person talked about. Mm -hmm. Belching in a sister's face, picking nose in public. We threw in the like itching butt while eating and yeah, right. eating example. Yeah. These quote unquote gross behaviors are our kids exploring their bodies mm -hmm. and figuring their things out. Yeah. And we do not need to socialize them for, for the outer external lens right now. Because it can unwittingly shame them, mm -hmm. right? That can unwittingly make them feel that their desire to own their bodies, explore their bodies, express themselves in a certain mm -hmm. way is wrong. So we don't, we don't want to get into that territory. That's why we yeah. want to be careful here. Yeah, I yeah. agree. But it's hard. Thank it you for is really hard. This. It's yes, so hard. It really is. Someone says, oftentimes if my kid's doing something super gross, instead of trying to put the limit on them, I'll set the boundary for myself, mm -hmm. lastly, and I will just walk out of the room, Yeah. right? I'll go wash my hands. Mm -hmm. I'll wipe the table down after like they've the, been the sitting at it. The most fastidious cleaner right. around my kids who are belching right. in each other's faces. Right. We're taking a little more <clears throat> echinacea. We're doing the yeah. things. That time yeah. of day, maybe we'll be outside instead of inside. Okay. Yeah. Where can yeah. we be moving and yeah. working around the edges of this right. instead of controlling our kids and their right. natural expressions of their self? Yeah. It's so hard though. Um, so no one, uh, the person who said, wondering if you have any advice for helping twin boys age nine, they seem like they're almost constantly at each other, mm -hmm. um, didn't reply back about the ages or what they're at each other or the age was nine, what they're at each other about familiar to us based on our own kids. And a, we have a, a dear friend whose, whose, uh, twins are also yeah. nine. And that's such a natural thing. It's such a hard thing to watch that bickering, that back and forth, something we also talk about in our sibling conflict yeah. guide. I realize this is backwards. <laughs> but check it out. It's on sale yeah. uh, through the weekend to help us step into that that presence, that calm confidence of supporting our kids, building skills to respect one another, mm -hmm. to, to process challenges, <clears throat> problem solve together, mm -hmm. to be building the language to for nonviolent communication and um, mm -hmm. collaboration yeah. that we want them to because we want them to be besties. And it's, I think that what you're touching on, Kelsey, we mentioned in our stories earlier, you can check them mm -hmm. out about how we're close twins. You know, we live on a farm together. We have houses across mm -hmm. across the field. Um, we work together. We read, read each other's minds, basically. We're very close, mm -hmm. right? And I think that oftentimes that can lead us to put even more pressure on, on our kids uh, to be close with one another. And I think mm -hmm. it's even harder as a, a, a twin mom Mm -hmm. I think to be like, oh my gosh, they were literally like so close. They were mm -hmm. wombed, right? And now they're differentiating. They're becoming a little bit separate. And there's a little bit of growing pains associated mm -hmm. with that where they're identifying as different and struggling with that a little bit. I remember going through that with you, Kelty. Mm -hmm. That was tricky. And I think we have to keep remembering that with siblings, and we talk about this in our guide, that we do not want to, nor do we need to get in between their relationship. Mm -hmm. We do not have to guide it. We do not have to fix it. Mm -hmm. We do not have to, to, to get in between, right? All we have to do is create a safe place for them to move their way through it, reflecting what we hear, offering 
uh, options and, and, and translating maybe what they're saying in nine-year-old speak, mm -hmm. processing separately with one another and asking them how they feel about what happened and what they could do differently. Mm -hmm. Right, giving them space to separate. Yeah, and uh, really, those like clutch times that feel like a little more problematic, always right before dinner, mm -hmm. they get at each other. Right, let's find a way to get them going, doing different things. Right, right. or doing something fun together instead right. when they're feeling kind of angsty. Right. You know, and I think remembering too that like, um, oh shoot, what was my last thought? Oh, you'll think of it. Give me a second. Let's all take a deep breath here. It's not coming to me. Okay. Nope. Other person says, not a parent, but my five-year-old niece constantly tells me to shut up whenever I watch her. I won't accept this behavior, but don't know what to do. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We would say there's nothing wrong with accepting. Oh, oh what was the thing you were going to say? <laughs> well, just the last thing was we have to keep remembering with siblings. We're wrapping up the sibling thing here is that uh, connection doesn't just happen when our twins or our siblings are playing on the swings together or helping each other with their homework mm -hmm. or like whispering at night in their beds. Mm -hmm. Connection also happens when they're beating down on each other, right? Or that is so mean, cutting like a knife. So mean and teasing each other. That is a way that they're learning to understand power, learning, understand their needs and another kid's needs mm -hmm. that they love very much. And they're going to experiment with that and home with their twin or sibling is a safe place to do that. So we mm -hmm. want to encourage it ultimately. You're doing a great job. That's all I had to say. Um, so this person's five-year-old niece constantly tells them to shut up okay. whenever they're watching her. Mm. Won't accept when they behavior. watch her. Maybe when they st are babysitting. Babysitting, mm -hmm. but don't, babysitting. don't know what yeah. to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to accept this behavior. I think mm -hmm. we uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, our kids have what we've in our freedoms model labeled ten freedoms. One of them is the freedom to speak. It goes against everything all of us have been raised to think, which is that some words are okay, some words are not okay. Like some feelings are okay, some feelings are not okay. And we've everything we've been reading, everything we've been trained on says all words are okay. Kids are experimenting, kids are learning, kids are building their skills through th their expression. Mm -hmm. And when we say these words are not okay, these words are okay, we're saying this impulse, this feeling you have, this idea and value you hold dear is not okay. That's what kids interpret. They, they can interpret that. Yeah. We can't shut down the word without shutting down the feeling, impulse, mm -hmm. value, need. Right. And I mean, I think it's also tough to be like, okay, let's ask ourselves, why is she saying shut up? Not just that she's mm -hmm. saying it. We're, we're adults. We've got prefrontal cortexes. We're the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. Let's figure this out. Why might she be saying it? Oh, because you're watching her and maybe she misses her parents. Mm -hmm. And that's how a five-year-old it says, mm -hmm. I'm feeling frustrated, I miss them, and I'm mm -hmm. unhappy that you're here instead. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes my kids get more <clears throat> resistant and like in my face and stuff like that if I'm being a little more controlling. Okay, time to go do this. Shut they up. I don't like that. Shut up. Don't right. tell me what to do. And I think these these moments that our kids are saying these things is, a, resisting. is, is a really great chance to look underneath for the need, but to also look yeah. at ourselves. How am I asking? Am I requesting? Am I being a subtle, neutral, respectful person that I should be because we're trying to shatter the hierarchy of the home? Or am I coming into their home mm -hmm. and saying, okay, I'm the one in charge. I'm the boss, which that's how we all grew up. Whoever's watching us is in charge. doesn't matter if they've never been to our house before. doesn't matter if we don't know them from a pile of sticks, right? <laughs> doesn't matter uh, if they care about us personally or if they're just doing it to make a buck. Mm -hmm. They're you know, say goes. And so we have to keep remembering that connection is everything. 
And then if this little, this five-year-old is resisting and saying, shut up and not feeling good, they're needing connection, not control. And it is so backwards. We'd love to expand on this more. There's so yeah. many good nuggets here. DM us. But, but keep getting curious about why they're saying it. Ooh, Maybe you, don't try... want me to, you don't want me to say that. <clears throat> Did, you didn't like the way I said it or you're not ready to put your shoes on? What's right. going on? Tell what do me. you mean? Let's translate that. Yeah. Tell me more. I'm, I'm curious. Right. Kids love it when we're curious about them instead of just <clears throat> imposing our will on them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Not that you're doing any of these things. We're just riffing because we have so yeah. little information, obviously. Yeah. Someone says, how do I help my five-year-old? Um, you're still good. I saw Al. Okay. Um, how do I help my five-year-old with time-based consequences of struggles slash tantrums? Example, we're going to play a game before he leaves for school, but then he refuses to put on his shoes. Mm-hmm. So then you can't play the game. He's devastated when the game <clears throat> can't happen and it feels like a punishment. Yeah. I oh, think it's probably experienced as a punishment a little bit too, you know? And it's like, it's really hard because our kid, how old is this child? Five. Five maybe. Maybe not, won't be able to say, mom, why can't we just take the shoes in the car? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just play first. And if I can get that connection instead of an incentive, maybe mm-hmm. I'll do better. Maybe mm-hmm. this kid, this five-year-old is telling you, I really want to do the thing. And maybe you're saying, well, I, I know how that goes. We do the, we'll thing, do the thing and then he won't put his shoes on, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something you can have a conversation with him about and I've say. I've noticed when we play, sometimes you kind of draw it out and then you don't get the shoes on and then it makes all of us run late. And yeah. it's so natural what for us to do? stack the thing we want them to do at the end of the thing to try to incentivize. Mm-hmm. We do it too. Yeah. And I think that language matters too, saying, oh, once we get those shoes on, we'll be able to play, mm-hmm. right? Not if you can put your shoes on, then we'll get a game. That's like a challenge for it's a five-year-old, more, it's right? It's hard. But I'm just curious why this five-year-old doesn't want to get their shoes on before they play the game. And it's mm-hmm. clearly there's a power struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's when we move into our resist approach and mm-hmm. say, okay, so I want you to be ready. That's my need, right? Mm-hmm. Your need is that you want to play right now and mm-hmm. you're struggling to get those shoes on. What can we do? Can we bring the shoes next to the game? And, That's basically starting and with the you put, step to the right. step. <clears throat> and you put one shoe on before and one shoe on at the end. Mm-hmm. Or you put them on and we lace them up based on I who's basically winning. Basically bring the shoes to the game <laughs> right. and be like, okay, one foot, two foot. We're, we're smooth operators. We're getting this stuff done. Instead right. of demanding the, the pressure be put on our kid to right. do it and then we can do the game. Right. And I think that if we even said... I'd love to do that game. Once we get our shoes on, let's do this. And they're still resisting and they're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We they're run telling out of, you. We run out of time that it. they can't do it. And I think that that's okay. Even if it feels like a punishment to you, I would, like Hannah said, check in with the way you're going about it. Yeah. But sometimes it, the kid wigs out and you're like, oh, I would say, you really wanted to play that. And you were really struggling to get the shoes on in time. We couldn't do it. But I, I personally would never let shoes stand in the way for me. Connecting with my kid before school. Shoes go in the car. We'll get them on at school. Yeah. Like, and if our kid is showing yeah. us that they won't put the shoes on, it's either because we've over-controlled them and created a power struggle around the shoes or because they totally they can't do it. do it. It's not won't. It's can't. They mm-hmm. cannot do it in the moment. So should they suffer? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. Someone says, any tips for a touch, uh, tough little friendship? My son, two-year-old, says that he doesn't want to spend time with his friend, also two years, because they often clash, wanting the same toy, etc. Mm-hmm. The other little friend is very loud and screams when he's upset, which scares my son. Mm. He spends so much time with his family that they are basically siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Such an amazing opportunity. Oh, they spend so much time. Yeah. Um, to help your son uh, build that awareness. 
I mean, this goes back to our sibling conflict guide, which mm -hmm. is available for siblings, but it's also for friends. I mean, it can even be for a partner with our child, right? It's all the same. And that our job is to help reflect, to help create a safe feeling around the discomfort when one person has one need and another person has another need. Mm -hmm. So I would just process and say, oh, validate, right? We just run the resist approach again. Gosh, each of them has different needs. My son is struggling because it's loud. He's got a different nervous system. He mm -hmm. can't just suck it up and play, right? He's got feelings. Mm -hmm. And then empathize and validate all those feelings and listen and ask him how his body feels when it's happening, right? Those types mm -hmm. of things. And then sync up and say, oh, I mean, we just, we love playing with them. And we go over there. I wonder what we can do, right? What can mm -hmm. we do? to support you and help you feel more comfortable. And that's the, the, the innovate step is where we get creative so that your child, when he's older, can be feeling comfortable in a class in college or with a group of friends or at work somewhere and say, not just bail, right? Never want to see them again. I hate them, right? We'll have built skills when they were younger and saying, how do I feel this way? Oh, maybe it's too loud. Okay. Maybe I want to play always a little bit farther away from them in the room. Maybe we always want to find separate things. Maybe we want to start outside, right? Maybe we want to help the child that I'm staying with decide which toys he's willing to share and which toys he isn't beforehand. Mm -hmm. What can we be doing so, to help build those innovation skills with our kid so that he can start dealing with his um, sibling or friend uh, conflicts yeah. on his own really soon? Let's dive back into that twin one. There's an alpha. One twin constantly gets upset when the other doesn't want to play with him. It's really disruptive to the whole family and painful to watch. Mm -hmm. One twin yeah. wants to differentiate, but the other doesn't. You like one that? wants to play alone and the other twin gets hurt. Nothing mm. consoles him even when I offer to play. Mm. Yeah. And That's the, a big differentiation there. Yeah. The yeah. person with the five-year-old niece said, I could be a bit pushy so you guys make sense. Okay. Great. Yeah, Great. absolutely. Oh, that's so tough with the twins, but I'd say just keep validating all the feelings. Mm -hmm. They're going to differentiate. It's going to be painful, right? It's just part of the yeah. process. I think the, the more you demonize one and victimize another, the more you're perpetuating that, that dichotomy and that, that differential. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to, you don't want to go the other way either just and be like, oh, it's fine. Just cruise in neutral. Just cruise in neutral. You want, you want him to play and he's just not wanting to play with you. Oh, mm. I'm so sorry, honey. Yeah. yeah. And then talking to the other one and not saying, hey, you need to play with your brother. Look how upset he was. But just saying, so notice you haven't been wanting to play with your brother so much lately. What's going on? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. What's up? Mm -hmm. And maybe you can subtly find ways to support their play or mm -hmm. you're just going to help them process the fact that they're starting to play separately right now. It's not forever, yeah. right? As long as they, you help them feel safe in their feelings of betrayal and independence, Mm -hmm. Both kids have totally legit needs and feelings, mm -hmm. right? You're just there to normalize it and Validate. offer support and security around all of it. Yeah. Someone says, boys who are telling me to shush, I hate you. I know I'm the man, but how do I raise two boys <laughs> to not perpetuate the patriarchy with, not, with talking to a female this way? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I love this question Oh so my God, much. so good. I have to go. I have to go home and do bedtimes. What are people you saying? You can go in a minute. Thank you. Cruise in neutral, trying this lately. Game changer, thank you. Thank Great. you. Someone I says. wish we could get to everyone's questions. Let's try to answer this last one really quick. DM us such if a good we one. didn't get to your question. So, when our boys are being mad to us, mean to us, saying rude things, how can we communicate you. to them in a way that says, you can't talk to a female this way? I'm spiraling into my trigger mode of, you cannot grow up to be this person. 
Well, I'm also at the same time, in the way that we talk about so often, recognizing that in this parent-child dynamic, we are not the female beneath them. We are the man. Mm-hmm. We are the person That's who- That's what this person's referencing. Who can be- Who has the power. Who has the power, who the can authority. be punishing, who mm-hmm. can be um, working through this, this model um, of control mm-hmm. and perpetuating that in the way we react to our boys, especially mm-hmm. mean words. So what do we do? How do we reconcile those things of wanting them to be a respectful human as they grow up but, and also recognizing that we have the power in the moment to make that happen? Mm-hmm. What do we do? I mean, what do we do again? If we're back to focusing on the um, self-awareness over the the, um, socialization. the socialization, mm-hmm. right? We have to focus on the, the, their ugly words, but we got to go beneath those ugly words and say, so you're feeling frustrated. We got to translate and we're not going to be ruffled. We don't want to call any attention to it and say, this is how you bother me. I think if we need to set a boundary because we really are triggered, we could say, hey, I'll be right back and like get a little space or do whatever, mm-hmm. right? But I think that, that calling attention to the behavior is just going to create a vicious cycle around it. So we just want to neutrally, lovingly keep refocusing them back to what's going on with them. I was going to say, it's set gonna, that shit aside. It's going right? to call attention to <clears throat> calling attention to behavior is just going to focus them more on it. But it's also going to make them lose out mm-hmm. in understanding why they're saying it, why they're doing it. <clears throat> the rudest men in our culture right now, and we know a lot of them, are saying and doing the things they are because they have no self-awareness of where it's coming from or why or any of those things. That's it's why we're all externally on this. based what they're doing, not internally driven. Right, right. They have no idea. But I think that we look at them and we say they're selfish. They are internally driven. It's so backward mm-hmm. thinking if we lean into our, our little boys' mean words and challenging behaviors, that that's not validating those. Mm-hmm. That that's saying, I validate the impulse mm-hmm. and we're going to build awareness around it so that you cannot do that. So you can find other words. Mm-hmm. So you can make different choices. Yeah. Not by punishing, not by timeouts, not by our control toolbox that says to control on my terms now, threats, rewards, punishments, all those things. But to say, mm. I see you, I validate and acknowledge you, not as a grown-ass man right now, but as a child who's building their skills. And their awareness first. And their awareness first yeah. with my support and my trust. And with <clears throat> that support, we're going to grow out of these things mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. Right? We are that inner voice that we're, we're helping build with our kids. So do we want their inner voice to shame them when they have emotions or blame other people? No, we want their inner voice to be curious, to be kind, to say, mm-hmm. wow, what's the impact on that, on the person Ooh, who overheard where'd you? Where'd that come from? Hey. Why did I say that? Ooh, what's up with that? Ooh, it sounds like I've got some big feelings is the, 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 the mindset we want our kids to have. So we say, sounds like you've got some big feelings. Lay it on me, baby. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love this. Um, someone says, hi, love, love you gals. Not exactly a question, but now I can hear my, hear myself make a threat. And in the moment, in my brain, I'm like, bah! I hear myself say the threat and say it anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. That's okay. You're building awareness. You're now doing I'm amazing. working towards the aftermath, why I say that and how to stop. Perfect. Absolutely. You're building back. You're working backwards. That's what we mm-hmm. talk about in our big feelings guide. There are two parts of self-reg in the 10 steps, mm-hmm. right? that we talk about in our big feelings guide. And you're doing it, you're doing the work. I wish we didn't have to wrap up right now. Someone said, this is such a generous use of your time. Thank you both so much. Someone else said, thank you ladies, always so wonderful and helpful. Thank you all. But even hearing hearing yourself say something controlling or punishing and realizing in the moment, I don't wanna be saying this, or I didn't wanna do that, or this isn't where I wanna be. 
is gold. It's so great. You should be proud of we yourself. We can turn it around in the moment and say, I'm going to take a breath. I know I just said that thing. I just need a minute. Mm -hmm. And then we can rewrite it. Or we can keep moving on because we're dysregulated and struggling. And we can come back later in the circle back like we talked about. Say, I know that, that I made a threat to you. Or I know that I took away screen time because you wouldn't get dressed. I'm I was sorry. struggling. I was I'm struggling. Sorry. I'm working on, I, on responding differently. Yeah. Or I'm working on trying to connect with you in those moments. Yeah. What can we do? Can we have like a, a secret word that I mm -hmm. say when I'm like code red? <laughs> and like, yeah. how, what can we do? Because I know it doesn't feel good for you to get an ultimatum or a, a threat. I know you're always doing your best. But when I'm struggling, I can't always remember that. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're saying these things to them and we're saying these things to ourselves to remind yeah. ourselves they're always doing their best. So are we. Yeah. We're working it. Awareness is number one step. It's the name of the game. You're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. You should be so proud of yourself. Everyone, this was so much fun. So Thank much you fun. for joining us so uh, this sweet evening. Notes. Thank you. Hmm. I did the same and then apologize after and the kids just say, that's okay, so sweetly. <laughs> that's okay, mama. Yay. I caught the end. Always love to listen. Great. We love you being here. Yeah. Thanks. Good luck with bedtime. Thank you. Right. Oh, love you. Love you too. <laughs> oh, seriously, we love you all here. so much. Seriously, it's, it's like just the highlight of our it's day. It's ridiculous. Being here, it's ridiculous. Sometimes yeah. we're like, can we keep going live? It's so hard to move <laughs> mountains to be here, do the things, and I'm like, no, I actually I have to, to be here. I gotta be here with our people. Feels so good. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Mm -hmm. We're so glad you're here, showing up and growing up alongside us. And we'll see you next week. Right? Yeah. Next week. Next week. Tuesday. This is the work you guys are, yeah. if you're here, you're thinking about it, you're practicing it. We're all in this together. So thank yeah. you for being here. Um, yeah. Take care. See you soon. See you soon.